Welcome to this week's episode of the Sisterhood Debrief, where we discuss all things sisterly, godly, and ratchet. Welcome to another week of the Sisterhood Debrief. It's your girl, Alex. Brittany. And Renique. And we're going to kick this off with prayer. Father, we thank you so much for another opportunity to come before you and to minister in this way, Lord God. I pray that every word that comes from our mouths, Lord, would come straight from heaven. I pray that you would be with us. I pray that you would touch those who listen to us and comfort them, Lord, if they're mourning and give them praise for heaviness, Lord God. And so we just honor you. We thank you for this opportunity. We love you. And it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So, ladies, what would you do? What would you do if money was not an option or a concern and you had the option to live, like, anywhere? Where would you live? What would you do there? What would your lifestyle look like? I was trying to think because I'm like, Oh, yeah, I wouldn't work. But then there are some things that I just love doing, um, especially like as far as coaching and just talking to women and, you know, running my business. So I think I would still do whatever it is that brings me like the most fulfillment at the moment. So I might that might mean keeping my businesses and then. But like high, like hiring a ton of people to help me (laughs) so I only have to do like the face forward stuff and making like executive decisions but child I would find me a fine husband but even if not because like it doesn't matter how rich you are you can't just find a husband um (laughs) yeah I will order one on walmart.com and um everything Right. They have everything. Um, but yeah, I would, I would travel a lot. Um, I'd probably buy a bigger house for no reason. I don't need a bigger house, but, um, I don't know. I'd be kicking it. Like I really would be kicking it and I'll probably do, um, I might go back to school, Ugh. but yeah, I might just cause I have, if I have like that kind of time, <laughs> don't laugh. <laughs> I'm laughing at that sound you just made when you I said you're going to God has been, I feel like God is like, it's fine, I'm going to give you your time, but you're going to go back. And I really don't want to, y'all, like, from the depths of my soul. But I probably live a little, a much more of a free life. I would not wake up early, um, but I would probably stay up late just being a creative. So I would just let whatever flows from me flow. I would probably still live in Atlanta because <laughs> we don't have hurricanes, we don't have earthquakes, we don't be having tornadoes like that, like. So, like, it's very weather-wise a nice place to live. Um, I don't have to worry about any extremes. So, I'll probably still live in Atlanta. That's fine. Um, what I, I, I just, like, when I was thinking about it, why would I move to an island and deal with hurricanes? Would not. Why would I move <laughs> to LA and deal with earthquakes? I didn't have, like, 50 this year. I'll pass. Um, so, I'll just chill in Atlanta. I would just travel everywhere I want to go. Um and what would I be doing? I don't know. I probably still like. I don't know. I used You're to like still be at your job. 
I don't know. Okay, somebody's listening. Customability. Because of benefits. What happens when all that um, money run out? <laughs> benefits. Okay. Um, medical medical insurance. Medical needs are expensive. Um, but mm-hmm. what I be doing? I don't know. I probably still like. I have like naturally. I love helping women, so I probably have some type of nonprofit um, benefit type situation going on you know just to help women in my spare time other than living my life of shopping and traveling <laughs> that's what I do yeah so I probably wouldn't live anywhere else either I do enjoy living in Atlanta the Atlanta area but I probably would go on vacation that are long enough to make me think that I live in another place and it would probably be like a vacation every month because um, right now I feel like I travel maybe once a year but if I could do that more often that would be amazing so if money wasn't an option I definitely for once a month I would not work a regular nine to five I love the freedom of having a open schedule um and not having to like work based off somebody else's like stipulations or whatever so um I'd probably just keep BHJ and Co up and running I would have a whole team um so I wouldn't be the one having to like edit people's work and do all of the miscellaneous things that I have to do right now but yeah that's probably what I do yeah I think I would probably launch another business, but not like a a business business, like something that I don't have to do nothing with. Like my name is just on it, like a lot of celebrities do. Like how Jessica Simpson just slapped her name on some shoes or Paris Hilton had a, why Paris Hilton? Why did I think of Paris Hilton? But perfume, (laughs) but something, especially since the economy is looking kind of, like I would probably start an essential business that I could just slap my name on. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, start printing out luxury toilet paper or something. (laughs) That's not essential, but you know. (laughs) That's hilarious. So, did y'all hear about the CDC has found that, excuse me, God, my voice. The CDC has found that 75% of the children that have been killed by corona have been minorities, so either Hispanic, African-American, or American Indian. Um, so this has, like, perplexed a lot of um, researchers. Um, so they've started studying what has caused this, um, this disparity amongst minorities and white Americans, because it's not just what you see in children, but also in adults. Um, it goes back to, they say, when you don't wear a mask, you're just not affecting the people that you're actually coming in contact with, but then you're going on to affect those people that they're in contact with, um, which may be people who have underlying issues or have weaker immune systems. So they say a lot of that is that people not wearing their mask. So if you listening, wear your mask. Um, and they also say that a large factor um, comes from you know lack of resources in the minority communities whether it comes from quality health care um a lot of um insurance parents not having sick leave um transportation 
Um, a lot of them are dependent on public transportation and things like that. Um, that plays a factor, as well as the fact that most of the children who have died have an underlying issue of either asthma or obesity, which obesity is like, and asthma is um, like very large in the minority community, um, probably more so than in the white American community. So we have to take that into effect, account, excuse me, account because our children be affected. That is what's happening with um, like why so many minority children um, have died. There, and, uh, and actually not a lot of children overall have died because of Corona, but again, 75% of the children who have died have been minorities. You know what though? Like, I really hate that because when this first started out, people were like, black people ain't getting it. We immune. Like we're, it was almost like we were so prideful about, and I don't want to make it spiritual, but we were so prideful about like our immunity toward Corona when it first came out. Um, and then it was just like, people were like, stop saying that. That's why people, that's why white people experiment on us all the time. And one of the things that I heard throughout the, uh, throughout this season, one of the things I've heard throughout this season is that a lot of people, I'm not gonna say a lot, several people believe that um, we have been given the virus in order to um, find a cure for it. So all of these like free areas where they like do mass uh, corona testings, some people have this like conspiracy theory that instead of testing us, for the virus, they're actually injecting it to us, injecting it into us. So that's one of the things that I've heard. And I'm just like, so in the beginning we were immune. Now we are disproportionately impacted by this. I don't know exactly why. I don't know if it was because it was like, you know, we had this idea that we were prideful um, about, you know, not being subjected or not being susceptible to the virus. Or is the government really giving this to us or is it because we're just we are disproportionately impacted by like other health issues and it just kind of caught up to us like there's so many things to consider when we're thinking about like people of color and how we've been impacted by corona because now all of a sudden the tables have just turned and I'm just like how does that you know how does that work but I'm not a medical professional so well I'm not a conspiracy theorist really at all but um we do have a history of the american government being shady towards black people and so exactly. it's really not far-fetched um unfortunately it's not and we're only what 50 years removed from the tuskegee um experiment mm -hmm. and so it doesn't really bode well may maybe 70 but it doesn't like either way it's in somebody's lifetime that's living right now you know and so um, it's really disheartening because we can't trust our government. We can't trust that when things like this happen, that everything is on the up and up. Um, but statistically, it also does make sense that minority communities are disproportionately affected, which they are, um, by something like this, by a virus, for the simple fact that we, our communities don't often have access to the same level of um, like things like masks they were likely the last ones to be able to get them right mm -hmm. um we ha we live in more cramped spaces than in um 
suburban areas. Um, some of them likely were not able to have the same opportunities to be off from work. And so they maybe had to send their kids to daycare still or to somebody's house that wasn't, you know, really doing what they were supposed to do. And so there are a lot of factors at play. And so it's really not shocking. If everything was on the up and up, I would think that aside from the fact that they had underlying conditions, the other issue would be that, you know, their parents likely were not um, adhering to quarantine guidelines and got them sick. And the, the chances are, you know, maybe, they're, maybe mom and dad are um, asymptomatic, but the child wasn't especially if they had an underlying condition that made their immune system more susceptible to getting sick. Mm -hmm. So in general, there are a lot of um, biopsychosocial um, elements that come into play, factors that come into play when it, when it comes to like something like a pandemic, when it comes to something like a virus. And so it's just really hard to pinpoint the issue, especially when there's already distress in our community. Yeah, thanks. Well, prayers for those children and their families. Um, those who like died, you know, just that's just horrible. I can't imagine my students dealing with that. So yeah. So did y'all hear about the Brianna Taylor settlement? Yes, girl. So. Um, so Brianna Taylor's family finally um, reached a settlement agreement with um, the city of Louisville Police Department, mm -hmm. and it amounted to $12 million. Um, within that settlement is, was also some agreements as far as police reform. We don't quite know what those are yet, but it looks like the bottom line of it all was that um, they are not able to sue in the future for regarding the incident, um, but they have reached a settlement. And so there are some people who are like, you know, settlement means that they're admitting guilt and that's not true. People settle on things all day, every day, and it rarely amounts to right and wrong. It's just, you know what, we kind of, sometimes it's just we want to get you out of our hair. It's a payoff, right? We don't really want to deal with the issue. And because it's been such a big public outcry, they pay them the money, and at the end of the day, the family can't sue. Now, this also does not mean that um, a case cannot be brought against those, those officers who were involved in the killing okay. of Brianna Taylor. <laughs> yeah, so it's not, so the city, the city still can't, if they, if they investigate and find wrongdoing, the city can still prosecute, but Brianna Taylor's family cannot sue um, the police department. Mm. Yeah, well, we, Alex is our uh, is our criminologist in the book. So <laughs> she probably has a little bit more detail on that. Yes, so we have to understand that the justice system is two parts. There's a civil side, which is where the monetary settlements come from, and then you have a criminal side, and that's where you see people get jail time and things like that. So on the civil side, they're looking for what's called retribution, meaning like monetary payback. Um, and so that's what this is. So and that means in the future, they can never sue again in the civil court system. So her family personally cannot come back, sue the city again, or any of its entities. They, depending on the details of the settlement, they may have the possibility to come back and actually sue the individual parties, but it may be harder to come back since they've already reached a settlement of $12 million. Um, mm. it's just 
highly unlikely they'll be able to sue the actual people. Plus, they probably don't have that much money, to be honest. Um, but that does not mean that the criminal case. So criminal cases are the state or the city versus a person. So it's saying we the people versus whoever committed that crime. So the state still can, or the city of Louisville can still um, prosecute those police officers, but that's a totally different process investigation that is separate from any settled, civil settlement that they have received. Yeah, so my issue is that the news of this settlement, because people don't have that knowledge, which by the way, you eloquently laid out because I don't know the difference, um, but people who don't have that knowledge will ultimately think, oh, this is over. Um, so they'll stop fighting to get those cops arrested because they're thinking like, oh, they reached a settlement. Oh, they got retribution, yada, yada, yada. Okay, but what about these murderers who are still roaming around who may or may not, I know, I think a few of them got fired or whatever, but still, like, they need to be in jail. And that's the, that's the issue is that they murdered her. They need to go to jail for that money notwithstanding of course the family deserves every dime or even more um that they can get but there are still murderers out there just roaming and that's the thing yeah. that people are going to forget with this settlement being in place so yeah i yeah. agree i think and i wanted to correct people but i just like don't have the social media energy to yeah. like go with people on the internet um or to make a whole post to go back and forth with people about. But um, I thought some of the articles I read, like on CNN, like clearly they stated um, that this had no impact on the criminal case. So I don't know, it's just like the level of understanding, I guess if you, if the reading the whole article, I know it's like not common knowledge, but. <laughs> I think it's almost like a way to just get around it. Like, oh, let's just, you know, pacify them. No, I think that I think that in some ways it could be, but it's still like like uh, Alex said, it's a different process. And honestly, the people who are really out here fighting for justice, like who are over organiza organizations like NAACP, BLM, and and the like, they know <laughs> how yeah. this process works, and so they'll continue to fight. It's really the 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 common folks that don't really understand maybe how this works. But there were people on my timeline who were like, "Great, now let's actually go after." the the people who did this um and so in some ways you know it seems like a cop-out but i'm not i'm not i ain't mad at the taylor family do you boo because if they don't if they don't prosecute them you'll you'll still have a dead daughter you know mm -hmm. and so i i'm all for it get what you can and this is similar to you know like the oj simpson trial so they he was acquitted right he was he was allowed to he didn't have to face any jail time for um killing his ex-wife however the family went back and sued him and they got a large settlement as well so this is common practice i mean we've seen it before and actually um the article i read showed that this is one of the largest settlements um in cases like this by a police killing so it's not like the largest but it's one of the largest that we've ever had so you know kudos to them like i'm all about it get your money i don't care what nobody says because you're there is no even if they go to jail there really is no justice there's not enough justice um for yeah. the taking yeah. of a life but it's a start i'll take 12 million dollars any day yeah i'm with it i just hope people you know continue to push because the lesser the voices the less likely it, it is for there to be um you know action taken against those cops but 
I digress. Um, so additional news, which will lead into our topic today. Have you all heard about this movie, QTs? Um, and really, that's not the name of the actual movie. I forgot. Do y'all remember the uh, other name of this movie? For, um, in the French version, French version. I forget. It's called Mignon. I think yeah. it's called Mignon. Yep, yep, yep. Something like yeah. that. Because um, that's the word for cute. Yeah. It is the word for cute. But basically, for those of you all who do not know, the movie is a French-based movie. Um, they just released it in America. Um, and there's like a huge like war cry against Netflix and the producers of the movie because people feel like it promotes pedophilia um i think i said that wrong pedophilia um and basically it's because of the marketing of the movie the movie basically covers a young girl who lives in a very strict home um feels like me <laughs> so maybe that's where i kind of identify with the the character but she lives in a very strict home and then she finds herself desiring to just feel confident and beautiful and all of these things so she joins like this dance troupe um and the dances of this troupe are just very suggestive so the images that you might see if you go to google trailer are like these little girls in these skimpy outfits and they're like thrusting and gyrating twerking they can't be more than like 11 years old um and people in america are you know calling for the to ban netflix to ban the movie because they feel like it promotes like child pornography sexual exploitation um but then there's this other side where you have this french uh this black french woman who is basically saying this is my story this it this story is about you know young girls who feel like in order to gain attention they have to you know, do all of these overly sexual things. Um, and we have to acknowledge that, basically. She's saying, like, this is an issue and this is something that we have to talk about. But a lot of people are just like, well, I don't need to see the girls thrusting in order to talk about this situation. I don't need to have them on my screen um, in front of me. Like, who are the people who casted this movie because they had to watch like they watch like 200 some odd girls who are no more than 10 11 years old dance like this in order to cast them in the movie so there's just a lot of um pushback about the movie itself i i do feel like there's a cultural element um and there's also just a triggering element especially in america i think there was some other um situation that happened in california where they passed some law where now, you know, child, um, child abusers are, are pedophiles. They, they're, they've kind of like lessened their, um, like their strict, whatever their strict policies are over there about, um, pedo pedophilia. Now they're like not as stringent and people are like, and now this movie is promoting child pornography. So it's just a lot y'all. <laughs> like overwhelming yeah i mean i i have so much to say about it one <laughs> some when i first saw the like little trailer for it i legit thought it was a cheerleading movie because that is how competition cheerleaders dress yeah i like i didn't read about it i thought it was some cheer movie i was just like another cheer movie and then when i saw the outcry i was like let me go back and look because i legit thought it was 
about cheerleading based on what they had on because literally that's what competition cheerleaders wear um and they do some of those same dance moves um majorettes yeah majorettes i mean I, me and Brittany like band like you go have you seen a a, a marching band yeah, their outfits look like ours <laughs> I mean, had a whole lid tart with the middle that looked like our skin was out, but it was exactly. it was mixed. Like, um, I just think that we live in a more sensitive world than we lived in the past. Um, I think we live where we're in a season of exposing exposing people, and I do I do see the the argument of this is a um with the pedophiles like saying oh this is like promoting or giving them uh giving them something but chat let me tell you pedophiles are going to be pedophiles whether you fully clothe a child or not that's mm-hmm. to me that's saying the same as oh well you were you had on a crop top and a mini skirt so you must want it that's why he approached you the way he did or that's why he raped you i believe that that that's in that person just like i believe pedophile pedophilia is in that person and um, I, 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 when I listened to her story and her saying this was her story, I know this is like moving to the topic now. Um, I, I could see where she's coming from. I, I thought about myself at 12, 13. I had no business being on black planet, but I was. And like some of the things I snuck and did for attention, for the fact that at that age, you're exploring, trying to figure out yourself. You're trying to say, okay, who am I? Because in this world, period, as a child, you see, I mean, us growing up, we watch music videos. So you see these women on music videos getting all these men's attention, this kind of way. It's like, okay, so maybe this is how you get men's attention, or this is what I need to do to be attractive. Um, and we naturally try to explore that because that's, 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 I believe that's common at that age. Like you see that across the board, children start to explore probably around the age of 10, just trying to figure out who they are. I have a, I'm a seven year old now and she's starting to like figure out her body at this point. It's like a lot, but I know it's a natural progression of growing up. Um, that's what I have to say for right now. You can go, Vernique. I know you had something to say. Well, so I still have not seen the movie, um, but I follow somebody named Demetria Lucas. She's an author and influencer, I guess. Um, <clears throat> but she's like her. She made a post about it, and she pretty much said that, you know, she as liberal as she is, she was even uncomfortable by watching the movie. There were scenes where um, the girls were changing, and the cinematography, the excuse me, the videographer kind of lingered on their almost naked bodies. Um, And there were just things about the storyline and things that really could have been better, especially because children were involved, even down to her saying like, who who are the parents that even allowed their children to be in this, the way that they, they were maneuvering. And so I think that maybe it was certain things like that. Like the story would have been fine, but it's just the direction that they took in order to showcase this was excessive. I think that's what a lot of people are feeling is like, sure, we can, it's a coming of age story. We've all seen coming of age stories, but this has, this seems excessive. And so um, I think a lot of the, the, I'm, 
yes, I'm concerned absolutely about pedophiles and things like that, because the truth of the matter is, yes, they'll always be there, but we're not going to do is subject our children willingly to those types of things. Um, so I do kind of understand that, but, you know, it's just, it's one of those things where art, you know, how far can you go? It's made to kind of push the envelope and make you feel a kind of way. Um, but mm -hmm. as much as uh, America has kind of done a disservice to children, in some ways, we almost don't really like kids <laughs> um, as a society, as a collective. Um, we still like there are some things that are still even too far for us. Now, what's interesting, though, is that I don't think that this movie got the same kind of backlash overseas. And I think I want to even say that it might have won a couple of awards. Say that again. Sundance in America actually won an award. At the yeah. Indie Film Festival. And that's my thing. I feel like if we were just more America as a as a whole, um, we've become a lot more critical of other countries. Um, which has allowed, which has caused us to be very closed-minded about a lot of things when it comes to cultural, um, like identity and experiences, and um, we're it's almost like we're trying to police everybody as opposed to understanding other people, and that's my thing because while this might have been like a very extreme direction to go in to talk about this topic, ain't nobody talking about it, so. Do, do anybody else have a better idea? Does anybody have like a better, because when, like when Alex was talking, that was the first thing I thought of. When I saw the trailer, I was like, oh, this looks like our majorette uniforms. I mean, cause that's what we wore. Like I could pull up the picture right now and we got on them skimpy blue shorts and that uh blue crop top with them stockings and you can see stuff. So, um, and it's not necessarily about the movie itself because, you know, the movie is one thing. It's the topic in general, like child exploitation. Is it really promoting pedophilia or is it more so about like understanding what children go through? And I wrote out this really long status the other day and I'm still going to post it, but this is my take. People who are, who are, I'm not going to say everybody, but a lot of the people who are severely outraged, um, even some of the men who are like, I can't believe they put these little girls on here. They're trying to desensitize us to pedophilia. Okay, fine. I get it. Like, I definitely feel like the marketing in the U.S. was problematic. But I also feel like people who saw it and immediately jumped to that conclusion have either had issues with being molested or have had issues with being attracted to children. I'm not saying everybody, but I'm definitely believing that a lot of people who, and it's very controversial, and y'all can at me, whatever, I don't care. But I think that that is the problem that we need to, to approach. Because if you watch that movie, or if you watch anything like it, and the first thing, because a lot of people started talking about like dancing dolls and cuties and tiaras and all this kind of stuff. And the first thing we're going to is the exploitation of children, which I can totally see. But if that's like the only thing you get out of those, those types of programming, then what do you need to address within yourself so that you can dig deeper and think about the fact that, hey, in general, children are overly sexualized. 
And how can we fix that? A lot of these shows and a lot of the movies that are out that, that display children in this light are basically telling us how overtly sexualized our country is. Because we was just talking about WAP last week and we was okay with Cardi and Meg lick tongues out, bodies out, breasts out, booties out, and every other female in that video. But now when we see children emulating that, it's a problem. Which again, it is a problem, but how do you stop it? How do you, like where, where is there a line to be drawn in the sand to where when we see these things um, as adults, it's like, okay, I'm not going to watch this because I don't want my kids watching it. I'm not going to listen to this because I don't want my children to be exposed to it versus I'm going to watch it and then I'm going to persecute my child or anybody else who allows their child to watch stuff like this. So that's yeah. kind of where my issue is. I think as Americans, we live in a, a very much do as I say, not as I do society when it comes to a lot of things. Um, and this is, I think, an example of that. Uh, or if it fits into my into my box, it's okay. But the moment it does not, it no longer fits into my box. It's just like it's completely wrong. Um, so so to go back to like the movie, I do think like the cultural aspect and how it was directed and how she what she was trying to do. One was to incite people to incite rage in people to say, hey, this is a problem. And sometimes you have to be extreme. Because people have made documentaries about this before. There's plenty of data out there, plenty of research out there. But guess what? If it is not, if it's not an extreme, we ignore it pretty much. It just flies under the radar. So one, I'm kind of happy she went to the stream she did because now I think it's time for us to have a conversation, especially as Christians, um, about it. Like we try to um shelter our children in such a way that they do these things behind our back. And one thing that I promised myself as a mother, I would do was create an environment where my child felt safe to have conversations, uncomfortable conversations with me. I do not want my child to feel like she has to turn to the internet, that she has to turn to people at school or anybody else. Um, to have conversations or to learn something or to have to do anything like I just don't want her to feel to have to feel that way I want her to know that I am an option to come to I know that she's a kid I feel like my mom tried to create that same environment I still went and did my own thing because I just think it's part of being a, a child and becoming a young adult you explore you figure out stuff this that and the third so I'm happy that she kind of did this to Insight. But I also think that the fact that it is a French film, if you've ever seen a French film before, there's plenty of them on Netflix. They real, like, sexy. Like, the most basic ones. It'd be real, like, dang, is this about to be, this, like, soft porn? Like, <laughs> oh, my gosh. And I just think it has a lot to do with their culture. Their culture is very, like, open, free, loving. Like, that's just, a lot of their movies are that way. A lot of their music is that same way. Um, so I, I just think that has a lot to do with it. And like Brittany said, it, as Americans, sometimes we feel it's our way or no way. Like, oh, this mess is uncomfortable. So we're just going to reprimand you. 
And we can't be that way. We have to be open-minded to other people's interpretations of life um, because that's how you have productive conversations. Like I may not agree with you, but I'm open to fully understanding your way so that we can come to some common ground on how to move forward and address this issue. I think that the thing about it is though, that it's like, yes, <clears throat> push the envelope and all that jazz, but not at the expense of children. Like these were real children portrayed on screen. And I think that, you know, I, I think sometimes art can be so, can feel so distant sometimes that we forget that somebody actually has to embody that. And so I think that would be the concern for me um, is that we made a point at the expense of children being exposed and what that could have mean, what that could mean for them in the long run. Um, but I don't know, <clears throat> right? And I do agree that um, in general, because I had to deal with this even when I went to graduate school, as far as dealing with like, I remember people, we did like, we had these conversations or whatever, where we would talk about um, cultural competency is a big part of my field as a social worker. And so people would be like, um, they would be upset at scenarios where the father was very, you know, demanding or whatever. And I was like, but you have to understand that in certain cultures, that's just the way that it goes. And you're not going to change it in a therapy session, or you're not going to change it in by, you know, being overly judgmental. And so, yes, we do have these this um, superiority complex where that we carry as Americans, where our view is the best view and the only view, um, whereas the rest of the world kind of stands in different from different perspectives. Um, but yeah, I just again, I I think that there is a line, and we have to we have to admit whether or not it's been crossed. Now, like Brittany said, we do need to have some conversations. Maybe this will open up some more conversations outside of getting the movie banned or something like that, that this actually um, puts out, you know, forces people to look at reform and looking at ways to um, protect our children better um, and things like that. But I will say one thing that I didn't quite agree with is this whole, is what you said, Brittany, about, you know, you have to, if this bothers you, you have to look at what's in, inside of you. I think that whether you've had that experience or not, um, not this is not what you were saying, but the exploitation of children will will bother anybody. But yes, it may be more triggering for those who have had some of those experiences. But I don't think that it makes it any less righteous, um, or that like it means something necessarily wrong with the person. Maybe there is, and they do need to resolve some of that. But I don't know that the protection of children is the protection of children, like regardless of where it, regardless of where it comes from. And so, I wouldn't maybe address that side of it especially if you haven't had that experience I don't know yeah but. and that's why I said not everybody I said a lot of people and I could tell based off of the post that I saw because a lot of people were talking about like this is coming from a person who has been molested or I could tell by some of the men's responses my thing is if you watch the movie and you feel that a child like you are looking at a child you can only be attracted to a child if you're attracted to a child like you can't look at that movie and say this is um this is uh promoting pedophilia unless there is some level of like i don't look at that and i say oh this is going to make men want to have sex with children you can't make men want to have sex with children unless they're already attracted to them that's what i'm trying to say and then the other thing is simply there's a difference between 
people who look at this movie. And again, it's not about the movie. It's about having these conversations in general and understanding that different people have different ways to promote conversations about things like this. But if I look at the movie and I can identify with somebody in that movie, then of course my response is going to be different than looking at the movie and somebody who, who has had a different experience. I grew up, couldn't go nowhere, couldn't do anything. And all I died to do when I got out of my mom's house was to go out and dance and gyrate and have sex and do all of the things. And then we can't fuss about children being on camera dancing when I've watched movies on other platforms, Netflix included, of teenagers having sex. So it's a problem all over the place. If you're going to hit one person up about their artistic expression of, and this movie is actually trying to promote conversation about something meaningful versus like the kissing booth where we see in high school, white high school teenagers having sex somewhere. So, and that's not promoting any type of social justice message or, you know, child exploitation message or whatever you want to call it. So I just feel like people are picking and choosing what they want to fuss about. And that's fine. You have your right. But let's be very clear. America has plenty of movies of children doing different things that they should not be doing because that is what children do. And in order to, to, imp to create an impact around that, you have to talk about it. And I think the thing that um, a lot of people want to focus on but don't have the knowledge to do so is how do you go about doing it differently? So maybe it's not done during, through a movie. Maybe you don't watch it on TV because I wouldn't show my child that but I would watch it so that I can understand, like, like I would have loved for my mom to have seen a movie like that when I was that girl's age. Like, that's what's important to me. Um, so maybe having, like, you need to see a movie like that, or you need to look up resources that promote, like what Alex said, conversations with your children so that your children feel like there's stuff I can't even talk to my parents about even now as a grown married person, because when growing up, there was like this blockage like, I can't go to my mama and talk about sex. I can't go to my mama and talk about how I'm sneaking around with some boy. I can't go and talk to my parents about, you know, feelings and emotions. We never had the conversation about sex as an adolescent. So, like, where do you, how do you go about addressing things like that differently so that media isn't the thing that's teaching your child? Um, yeah, so like, what are some other resources? Alex, you're a parent. What are some other resources that you might incorporate? Because clearly you're not showing Ken the movie. <laughs> but I mean, whether you watch it or not, um, whether you have watched it or not, what would you, what resources would you offer to other parents to like address stuff like this? I think this is where it comes in that it's important to have a support group of mm -hmm. parents with around who kids are around your same your child's same age um, because they're going to be start going through stuff at like the same time um and it's like to have that conversation it's not easy like like i said kendall's at the age now where she's starting to like figure out her body like and it's a lot but to have a, a mom support group to say okay how how are you addressing the conversation um just so i can figure out what's best for my child every child's different so you just can't have some blanket response answer you're you have to cater it to your kid which you would know um resources um i don't know because i haven't really found a good resource that has this that has i think the information that i want to share with my child yeah. um because 
one, if you find Christian resources, half the time it's just like, don't have sex. Like, mm-hmm. don't have, and I, I just can I have not found a resource that I, like, I feel like it's realistic to where our society is today with having that conversation with children being exposed to so much in general. Like, growing up, the internet was not a thing when I was five. I mean, it probably was, but I was not on the internet. I, there was no apps on phones. You were not on the internet on your phone because it cost a million dollars. Like our children are today. Like Kendall could probably work my phone better than me. She probably knows where everything is. So I just haven't found a resource. Maybe I should create one. Probably what I'll do. But, yeah. Uh, you should um, find people that you can talk to. Social work. Well, I don't have a ton of resources because I don't usually work with children. However, there are two um, that I've come across. And one, there's a website called, and this is actually for children. If you know anybody who has um, any child that has been sexually exploited Mm -hmm. um, in any way, there's a website called missingchild.org. Missingkids.org. And they have a ton of resources um, to help to deal with the aftermath of that counseling um they actually even go back and will delete comments and videos of the child like they'll do a thorough search um they work on helping you locate an attorney to fight for rights um for that and then as well as overall family support so that's for if you know any child that has been exploited in that way because it's a real deal thing um the sex industry has like skyrocketed um, it's, and children are one of the main targets, children and women. And so um, if you know anybody, there's that. Also, if you're just trying to learn how to, to have these conversations with your children, um, one resource that we all know is our friend who is a Christian sexologist. Um, her name is Brittany Brody-Smith. She's been on Love Our podcast. Um, she's traveled uh, around the country talking about sexual health and um, Uh, sexual experiences and things like that but one thing that she does as far as her day job is going into schools and talking to children about um, age-appropriate sex ed essentially and so she also helps uh, she consults in her own business though to help with um, marriages and stuff like that that need help on that end um, but also to help parents to have these conversations with their children to facilitate these conversations that are age appropriate. And so that's somebody that you can always hit up. The name of her business is called The Intimacy Firm. Um, that's theintimacyfirm.com. Um, or you can follow her at The Intimacy Firm on Instagram. But she is an amazing resource and somebody that is very easy to talk with that you can reach out to and say, hey, I don't know how to have this conversation. Can you teach me? And I think sometimes I'm not a parent, but I think that a lot of times parents can feel like they're the only person that they have in their corner, even if they don't know how to navigate something. And having somebody that you can be like, listen, I don't know how to do this, I'm sure is a game changer. And so, um, yeah. Yeah, those are all of those are really, really good. Um, as an educator, I have had several conversations uh, with girls and a lot of times they will only talk to me if I promise not to tell their parents. Um, and that's very, um, you know, unfortunate. And I do have to explain to them, like, you know, you can trust me, but if there's something that you share that will cause anybody harm, then I will have to, you know, let our counselor know. Um, And I just hate that, again, because I grew up feeling like I could not talk to my own mother 
Um, not because she wasn't there or present, but because, you know, she was just very religious and everything went back to what you can and can't do because the Bible says so. Um, and that's no, no, no bearing on her parenting, but that's how a lot of parents are, whether religious or not. It's just a, because I said so conversation versus leaving the window open to have conversations and to allow your children to express their emotions, their fears. Um, and even sometimes the things that they just don't want to do that you're asking them to do, be open to having those conversations as parents, educators, don't make um, children feel bad for coming to you to share things to you. Don't make them feel guilty. Don't ask them, how could you let such and such happen? Or, well, what did you do? Though all of those questions can shut children down and make them feel like there's no one in their corner. Um, and then just be aware of what you're promoting. Um, like I said, we can't go one day, you know, posting overly sexualized material. And then the next day we're talking about how it's unfortunate that our children are exposed to this. Well, you know, you're sharing it as well. So I think it's just very important to be cognizant of those things and, you know, be aware of what impact you want to create with the material that you allow yourself and others around you to view. Um, so hopefully these resources that um, each person, each of us mentioned will be helpful in some way. Take what you need, leave what you don't. Um, and none of our opinions are reflective of each other. So we all have different experiences and different opinions. Um, so, you know, again, don't act TSD, just at us individually. <laughs> um, that was good, guys. So let me tell y'all though. Um, this entrepreneurial life is hard. Uh, life update, I'm in what is called launch mode. Or, um, I am launching a new product, a new course for writers. Uh, my company, Brittany Holmes Jackson & Co., helps uh, new or aspiring authors write their books, tell their stories, um, so that they can, you know, just inspire others. And... It's been very difficult because I'm going through a coaching process while I'm also launching. So I'm trying to make sure I'm hitting every um, strategy and doing everything right. There are some moments where I feel like this is amazing. And then there are other moments where I feel like this is trash and I'm about to throw it out the window and never do it again. I start over. I'm just staying at my day job. Um, <laughs> but it's been a lot. I am exhausted because um, I am still teaching throughout the day. Um, so like having to teach all day and then getting back in front of a camera because I'm virtually teaching, um, and getting back in front of the camera to like try to persuade individuals to buy into what I'm doing. Cause I 100% believe in my mission, but to make other people believe in themselves enough to take hold of that is very difficult. Um, and it's very, it's very psychologically based. <laughs> so it almost comes off as manipulative sometimes. So I always have to do a heart check and just make sure like, Laura, is this where you want me to be? Is this how you want me to do that? Um, so it's been a lot and y'all have been there through the majority of it. Uh, y'all have been amazing supporters, but yeah, it's still just very something that's just like, if this fails, does this mean that I wasn't supposed to be doing it? right now or you know there's just a lot of questions but your girl is overwhelmed well, first question. of all first of all what you not gonna do is act like you're not called to this 
what you is not even going to begin to do is act like even if you for whatever reason did fail which you did not because you already have customers if you did that cannot tear down what you know god has called you to do Mm. and i will leave this in too because you're not going to play in my face so the fact of the matter is the children of israel had to walk around that wall seven times okay the first time she doing they probably thought (laughs) (laughs) the first time they was like uh is this wall gonna come down like how many times we gotta do this it took them seven times as tired as they were as weary as they were as as much as their faith might have dwindled in the moment they had to keep walking if you stop here you'll never know what it's like to see the wall fall Hmm. consider this round one and it's only going to get better and better all right go ahead alice whatever (laughs) i was gonna say don't don't like question yourself i know that's like a natural response we have as humans but you're definitely called to do this you're amazing um and i believe that god was in the right people who need your coaching um to your program so just stay steadfast sometimes it be it's ups and downs entrepreneurship is very much like this sometimes it's just straight plus hoeing but you got it thanks y'all mm-hmm. i guess i'll pass some money over to y'all's cash app for the word <laughs> pass a v specifically mm-hmm. and I I do I do believe you know this this is what God has called me to do and ever since I pivoted from P31 to BHJ and Co I definitely um know that it's been the right move I just hope I'm not moving too quickly um it it got real hectic real fast (laughs) uh maybe it's because I went back to work around the same time that I started launching so it's just a lot but if you're listening and you know that you have a story to tell I'm gonna just do a shameless plug um, if you're listening and you know you have a story to tell, and if you're listening before, uh, uh, what is it, September 28th, which is the day the course starts, mm-hmm. then you can check out my course, Story from Scratch. Um, you'll write your book in six weeks, I promise, if you follow the format that I have in place. Um, BrittanyHolmesJackson.com backslash SFS, or Story from Scratch, either one works. The link will be in the um, show. <laughs> Thanks, producer. <laughs> well, even though uh, Pastor V tried to do Can I Preach, Alex, you supposed to be doing it today, so. You got y'all little, like, the reading of the Old Testament. <clears throat> that was really today. So, Can I Preach? So, yesterday, y'all, I was studying Matthew. I've been studying Matthew for, for about a month now. Anyways, I was studying Matthew. And I came across a parable that is like probably the one of the, I feel like is one of the most preached parables, which is the parable of the talents. Like master gave three people different amount of talents until we back um, one person, they double another person. I forgot. I probably should remember. Um, they earned more. And then the third person he buried, they buried theirs because they was like, I know you be getting upset, so, you know, I ain't want to make you mad. So, here go your money back. He was like, no. Okay? So, this is what stood out to me. 
This is the New Living Translation version. The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. This is to the second, the first or the second guy. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Um, and when I was reading it, it hit me. So many of us are always praying for the next. We're praying that God doubles our portion. We're praying really like God bring me my next season or give me this. I, Lord, I want a house. Lord, I want more kids. Lord, I want a kid. Lord, I want to increase my finances. I want a financial breakthrough. Um, I want all these, I want all these things. And to go back a little bit, my mom used to tell me all the time, why do you think God's going to bless you with a BMW when you don't keep this Chevy clean? Come on. <laughs> She's like, you don't take care of this car. What makes you think when you get a, a, a luxury car that you're going to do, you're going to treat it the exact same way because you just, you, you don't cherish it. You don't cherish your current blessing. And it made me really think when I heard it, how many of us are not properly stewarding what God has given us? Yeah. Are you properly stewarding the talent he has given you, like the physical talent, like the gifts, um, your skills, your ability? How many of us are not properly stewarding the time God has given us? Because every day is not promised. Each second is not promised. Anything can happen to you in the next second. Um, and we have seen that so much in 2020 with so many people passing away. Um, how are you properly stewarding, stewarding what God has given you? Hmm. And can God say to you, you have been faithful in handling this this small thing. Yeah. I can bless you with more. That's good. How? And then he says, let's celebrate together. I think that's what got me. It's like, God is not just going to be like, here you go and go on by his business. He's going to celebrate you. He's going to honor you. Um, and I think that also speaks to the people around you. Like, if God can celebrate with us, I think it's also important to have people around you. So this is a different story. Check your friend circle. People who can actually <laughs> celebrate um when you do when you are blessed with more um so i just want to one thing i wrote on facebook based off of my revelation is think of one thing in your life because multiple things might be overwhelming but just one thing that you feel like you are not stewarding well whether it's your health because that's me i'm not stewarding my health well in this season um your time are you not using your talents are you um not just showing up with where God has blessed you. I mean, maybe it's as simple as you don't clean out your car. Um, and for the next 30 days, be intentional. Huh? I said, I feel attacked, but go ahead. I'm listening. <laughs> for the next 30 days, I want you to be intentional in that area. I just want you to like every day, I'm going to do something to improve myself in this one area of my life and just see how God works and just see how your life is better. Even if God does not do the thing you think he's going to do, you are going to be better at doing that thing and being intentional in that area and taking care of yourself and really using what God has given you in this season to prepare you for the next. Yeah, I for sure felt attacked. Um, <laughs> Saying. I'm going to start I'm going to start asking for transcripts from Alex before she does her can I preach cuz it's getting really disrespectful. Um <laughs> but I really like that call to action as far as the 30 days. And I, I'm going to join in on that. I'm going to work on something for 30 days and make sure that um, I steward it well. I think that there are some areas of my life that I steward 
more than others. And I think the goal is to be mature in our faith and in our leaning on God enough to steward every area, right? Because only he can give us the grace to steward every area of our life. Um, so yeah, thank you for that. Now, it was the celebration for me. When you said that, like when, when in the scripture, when you said that, you know, I'm going to celebrate with you, there was something about that that really caught my attention. Just the fact that God doesn't just look at us as um, slaves, right? Like we're not slaves, but we're sons. Like do what I told you to do. Or like those parents that are always like telling you to do your chores or to do something. But his goal is to not just tell you to do things, but to one, empower you to do them, right? And then to two, celebrate with you once it's accomplished. There's something about God celebrating me that is so mm -hmm. encouraging. Um, and it just reminds me of Jude, Jude 124, now unto him who was able to keep me from stumbling and present me faultless before his presence with exceeding joy. Like he takes delight in helping us um, to live this life, right? He takes delight in, in helping us to um, do this, to, to do this with grace, to accomplish all the things that he's called us to. So thank you for that reminder, Alex. Like I'm really going to take that, that challenge. Yeah, that was, that was dope. I'm, I'm with it. That's all I got. I just clearly, you said clean out your car and I still got stuff from my classroom back in March, still sitting in my backseat. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh Lord, let me, and that's, it's facts because I don't know if I was with, maybe I was with you when your mom used to say that, or if my mama said it too, but I even think about it with like our house hunting process. Um, and after that didn't go the way that we desired, it's like I became almost obsessed with taking better care of where we are. It's like, I'm like, okay, God, maybe you're not blessing us with what we're asking for because it's probably not time, right? But also we don't take very good care of the home that we're currently in because we're so busy with so many other things and it can just go like, you know, days or weeks before we, you know, really get into like, cleaning up thoroughly not like your basic washing dishes and sweeping the floor but really taking care of the house making sure the lawn is kept up all of those things and um that's what it made me think of like how can god bless you with more when you are not taking well not taking good care of what he's giving you um so that was definitely a word for me child and i'm gonna figure out what i could work on for 30 days it might be making sure my house is cleaned every day and ain't no dishes in the sink <laughs> I don't know. My mom be coming. She'd be like, this is an investment. You need to take care of it. Take care of it. Yep. Well, y'all, this has been another um, pretty intense and kind of lengthy episode of the Sisterhood Debrief. We appreciate you all watching. Please, 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 please. Yes, we're begging. Leave us a review. Um, so we'll pop up in uh, other people's like searches um, or on their homepage as a uh, recommendation. Uh, if you're listening each and every week, drop comments on our Instagram page and let us know like your takeaways. Give us topics to talk about because sometimes we be struggling. We're like, what are we going to talk about this week? Um, but let us know what you all want to see from this platform and we just appreciate you all um, listening in. So, close us out. Well, thank you all for listening to another episode of the sisterhood debrief where all things are sisterly godly and ratchet she's back y'all see you next time <laughs> <laughs>